Hey everybody, Chris Avery with you on a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly, off-season edition, where we still have a jam-packed episode. Coming up, Joe Reedy, Associated Press, Jeff Miller, LA Times, going to join me for a Beat Writers Roundtable. We'll react and get some takeaways from Tom Telesco's press conference on Thursday, which would typically be in Indianapolis, but obviously 2021, a little bit different. We did it from Zoom. So that's coming up a little bit later, but first... Ryan Wilson, CBS Sports, will join me. I promise a draft analyst every single week leading up to the draft. We had a fun exercise. Make the case. Five prospects at five different positions. Ryan makes the case for each of them to the Chargers at number 13 overall. Couldn't be more pleased to have Ryan Wilson of CBS joining me. And Ryan, I, I don't even know where to begin. We could talk Justin Herbert, we could talk Kenneth Murray, or we could talk about the future, this 2021 draft. But let me just start with, with Herbert and your thoughts on the, the season that he had, uh, as well as Kenneth Murray, who played all 16 games. Yeah, let's start with Herbert, because I, every time I talk about him, and it's been this case pretty much since October, I, I apologize for not having faith in how good he was going to be, because I was... Coming out of the draft, I, I had questions about the last two years at Oregon. And, you know, you and I were talking about this before before we started recording. I mean, he, he's playing with all pro wide receivers. He's playing with so many great players. And at Oregon, what he was asked to do is a lot different than what he has been, what he did as a, as a rookie uh, in Los Angeles. And, and I think I undersold that. And I think some other people did too, but I, I will own it. I am so happy for him. I, I was telling you that I talked to him a few times. Uh, in the pre-draft process, great dude. I mean, said and did all the right things, took responsibility. I remember specifically asking about the USC game, his senior season, where he didn't play that well in the first half. And he came, he turned it on in the second half and played some of the best football. He was open and honest about it. And, and I think what he has been able to do in one year has been amazing. And uh, you sort of hinted at it. That he was basically the first overall pick. I, if we're redrafting right now, he's going one or two. And yeah. I don't think... No disrespect to Tua. Tua struggled at times in Miami. Tua's not in, in that conversation. He may be at some point, but, man, Justin Herbert was so good, and it was so, so much fun to watch. And, and I'll, I'll say it again, and I say it all the time when, when uh, I'm talking to other folks or I'm, or I'm on CBS, if Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be the first overall pick for Jacksonville, plays 85% of Justin Herbert in year one, that type of football, the Jaguars are over the moon. And, look, this is a situation that, you know, we'll probably talk about it, how, how year two for Justin Herbert works. They have a new coaching staff, and but there are a lot of expectations, I think, for Jacksonville. Seven wins, if they have a ton of calorie cap space, they have a bunch of draft picks. You get Trevor Lawrence and can surround with some players, perhaps they have the similar blueprint, win seven games in year one, and then you have the expectations to get to the playoffs in year two. And I think that's fair for, for the Chargers as well. Primarily, I mean, they have a lot of great players, but primarily because of the steps that Justin Herbert took uh, in those first that first season. A sigh of relief, I think, when you know you got your guy. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of teams going into this upcoming draft, and there's maybe five or six quarterbacks, Ryan, that, that could potentially go in, in the first round. Uh, but there doesn't seem to be a consensus after Trevor Lawrence. So at, at this point, you know, we could be talking a year from now and saying, you know, Justin Fields should have been the number one overall pick or, or another guy. Mac Jones should have been higher than he was selected. Uh, but to be in the Chargers vote, knowing that you have your guy, and you could start to build in a class that's pretty deep. And you look at number 13 overall, if four quarterbacks go in the top 12 picks, uh, maybe a couple of wide receivers, you're going to get some talent at a position of need at 13 and, and feel pretty good about it. 
Yeah, man. And it's a great position to be. And obviously the Chargers wish they had won more games and gone to the playoffs. And I, and I get all that, but that's, that's in the past looking ahead here to the 13th pick, as you know, there could be five, five quarterbacks could go before the Chargers uh, make their pick. If they stick at 13, they're going to be some offensive linemen that go, they're going to be some wide receivers, as you mentioned, possibly even a cornerback. So right. Someone's getting pushed down. And I've, it's, it's insane that the number of mock drafts I do, they, they like me to do one a week, starting with the beginning of the college football season. So I'm literally on version 26 as we sit here and talk. Uh, so it, it's fun because uh, you know, every week CBS tweets out the link to the thing. So people can yell and scream at me this week. It was Eagles fans yelling at me because I had Mac Jones going that high at number six and people hate absolutely despise Mac Jones, but I've learned a lesson. I've learned a lesson that number one, no one knows how these quarterbacks are going to turn out. See Justin Herbert, but year in and year out, we go through this process. The bears thought Mr. Trubisky was the best quarterback in that draft class. Yeah. They missed. It happens, but I like Mac Jones a lot more than most people in the media. There's some NFL teams that I know that like him. And I think the media is starting to catch on to that. But the point is that, all these guys that are going to go, because as you know, you're not going anywhere without a quarterback, means that the, the Chargers are sitting pretty. My last mock draft that came out this week, I had taken Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. And, oh, we're getting into that. Oh, my God. I love Kyle Pitts so much. I think, you know, we'll see what happens with Hunter Henry. He his, He's about to hit free agency, unless they bring him back. We'll see. But if Hunter Henry goes somewhere else, I think Kyle Pitts, oh, my gosh. I mean, Chris, he could end up being the best pass catcher in this draft class. Three or four years from now, we're talking about, oh, my gosh how this guy fall to, say, 13, for example? So a couple of things. Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell, they don't dislike Mac Jones. In fact, they said that they right. prefer Mac Jones. That's interesting. And then before we get into it, we're going to play a little game. Um, we're going to play Make the Case. And what I'm going to do, Ryan, is I'm going to give you four guys that you may or may not have had in your previous mock drafts. And you're going to make the case for why this specific prospect makes the most sense for the Chargers. Before I do that, I want to hit on Kenneth Murray and just your thoughts on how he played. And I am trying to envision this Brandon Staley defense having a healthy Derwin James, Kenneth Murray, and Joey Bosa on each level of your defense. I've said this, and I know Chargers fans have heard me say this uh, over the last several months. We haven't seen a 100% Derwin James and a 100% Joey Bosa on the field at the same time yet. You add in a, a second-year player now in Kenneth Murray, who played, uh, started all 16 games. You have a difference maker on each level of your defense. Now, I'm just curious where you think Kenneth Murray can go under Brandon Staley. Yeah, that's sort of the interesting thing. Number one, Brandon Staley that that the hire was a defensive guy because now we're in you know this everything must be offense, offense, offense. But by all accounts, and you certainly know better than I do, but from the outside looking in, Staley seems like a, a good fit. He seems to sort of understand the culture. And, you know, there are Anthony Lynn was a great guy. The, the, the bridge has to be being a great guy and being consistent, um, uh, playing and play out. And we'll see how that unfolds. But I think it's a really intriguing hire, especially on the defensive side of the ball in terms of making these guys, these younger guys better. So last year, a year ago when we spoke, we were we were talking ourselves into a defensive player and Derwin James is that first round pick, someone like Jeffrey Akuda or Isaiah Simmons. And we're sort of they did both. They they got the best of both worlds. They got their quarterback. At the time, I remember being a little apprehensive about the Chargers trading up because I think they gave up a fourth round pick. I can't remember specifically to get back into the first round to get Kenneth Murray. It's like, oh, is that too much? But Kenneth Murray is a first round talent without a doubt. He is the linebacker. The evolution of the linebacker is what Kenneth Murray is. It's what Devin white is who went to the super bowl and played out of his mind devin bush is another example of how these young fast physical linebackers who can cover just about anyone and cover a ton of space and, and i loved 
Murray at Oklahoma, and he he led the team in snaps in terms of uh, among the linebackers. You mentioned he started all 16 games. He's only going to get better, and the athleticism is something that that's typically the difference in the NFL, the way that the, 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 the NFL is played today. And you have Bosa up front, as you mentioned. You have Murray continuing to grow into that role and Staley finding ways to use him. And fingers crossed, a healthy um, Derwin James in – uh, it, it's it's crazy, and these are and the reason we were talking about Isaiah Simpson, Jeffrey Kuda last year with Derwin, J- Derwin James because you got to stop Patrick Mahomes. That's yeah. the that's that's where we're at, and that this is a great blueprint to do it. And, and the good news is, I, I mean, there are so many great athletes in this draft class, guys on defense who maybe are raw that you can get uh, late in day two or day three, but they can come in and give you the the type of physical skills you need to fly around the field and try to keep pace with the Tyree kills and the Travis Kelsey's and the Patrick Mahomes is uh, yeah. I, I think Kenneth Murray, you know, Mike Tomlin, I'm a Steelers homer. Mike Tomlin has a saying the arrow is pointing up or down. The arrow is pointing up on Kenneth Murray. And, and I think uh, Staley will, will find a way to get the most out of him based on what we saw. If it's anything like what we saw the, the, the Rams do last year with that defense, because that defense was all over the place, man. And, and I think yeah. um, given how the offense is hopefully going to be set up with Justin Herbert, puts less pressure on the defense. It's sort of a yin and yang in terms of the defense doesn't have to do everything. The offense doesn't have to do everything. And I think having these athletes on defense is a huge, uh, huge boon. If fingers crossed, these guys can stay healthy. So funny because last year we talked about slowing Patrick Mahomes. This year we may be talking about outscoring Patrick Mahomes because you have the quarterback to do it. So let's, let's play a little game here, make the case. And we're going to start with Kyle Pitts. You alluded to it. He, he, is number 13 overall in your latest mock draft to the Chargers. This guy is an absolute stud, 6'6", 246 pounds. Um, He would be the ideal weapon for Justin Herbert when you talk about the other players around him. Why would Kyle Pitts make the most sense for the Chargers? Uh, he is, he is so fun. Like he is here. I've been saying this since the fall. He's Darren Waller. And if you think Darren Waller makes your team better, maybe that's someone you should look into in Kyle Pitts. I mean, he takes over games. So, yes, he's listed as tight end, and he gets knocked for his blocking. He can block, but you don't draft him to block anyone. That's not why he's out there. He can yeah. play uh, the, the Y. You can move him out to the slot. You can move him out wide. You can have him in motion. You can have him do any number of things. And in every situation, he is going to be uh, the one, the difference maker. Like He will always be the one causing problems, no matter who he's lined up against. He can win deep. There's a. I was watching the Kentucky game the other day because I was watching Kelvin Joseph, who's a cornerback, a really good cornerback for Kentucky, and he juke Kelvin jo- Joseph out of his shoes and then outran him to the end zone. And Kelvin Joseph is is a day two pick all day long. He probably has some first round talent, um, but there may be some some off field concerns or whatever. But he, the guy's a player, and I was like, this this is special, and that translates. And it wasn't like he was playing at some FCS school where he wasn't he was the best man on the field. He was the best man on the field in the SEC. And time and time again, he is finding ways to get open. Time and time again, he's make, making contested catches. So even when the window is closer or, or closed, closer to being closed, he's still making plays. And Justin Herbert has, I mean, he doesn't have issues with arm strength. He doesn't have issues with the accuracy. He doesn't have issues with getting the ball out on time. So it's not like this is going to be a security blanket for Justin Herbert. That's something that he needs. I feel like they'll feed off each other much in the same way that he and Keaton Allen did. He and Hunter Henry did. And it's going to make that offense that much more explosive. Love it. And, you know, I look at the division, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Noah Fant, Chargers, Hunter Henry has been one of those guys that they've 
drafted and, and developed and we'll see what happens with with Hunter and free agency but Kyle Pitts just an interesting name overall because he's going to make some team better just I think you mentioned it probably maybe the best pure pass catcher in the draft as a tight end and he may not even be there at 13 like there if he you tell me that he, if you told me Kyle Pitts went before Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, I'd be like, okay, I, I could see that. I, I'm sure, like to the Eagles, for example, if they took him at six, I mean, Eagles fans would hate it. They have a, all sorts of needs, but I'd be like, okay, yeah, I, I can understand that. He He's special. And look, he's just listed at tight end. He's a wide receiver. He's a pass catcher. Uh, you know, he just happens to block a little more often than the other guys that I mentioned. Uh, maybe less than Devontae Smith. I don't know. Devontae Smith's pretty tough. But uh, he, he's a special dude, and I don't know if he'll be there at 13, but if he is, I would imagine the Chargers are, are taking a long a long look at him there. All right, let's make the case for Rashawn Slater, Northwestern, uh, a guy that can probably play across the line, opted out, didn't play last year, had some good reps against Chase Young the season before. Why would Rashawn Slater make the most sense for the Chargers at 13? Yeah, his versatility sticks out. So it, here, here will be the knock. If we were having the combine, we would already heard of, heard of this uh, because he, he would have been measured. But Rashawn Slater has short arms is the word on the street. And sometimes that's an issue for some NFL teams. They have sort of guidelines. And if you have short arms, you can't play tackle. But you just mentioned the Ohio State game where he not only held his own against Chase Young, he had some really, really good reps. And I always go back to Jonah Williams, who was two years ago drafted by the Bengals. He had, quote, unquote, short arms. And, and that was a talking point. And at the time, uh, I remember talking at the Super Bowl, I, I was talking to, to then the defensive line coach for the Patriots, Dante Skarnecchia. And, and he's like, well, short arms don't necessarily matter because if you have a long, if you have long arms and you're blocking like with your hands close to your chest, you essentially have short arms. So it's just how you're coached up and how you, uh, your technique and your footwork, how it's married together. And Rashawn Slater did a lot of things well. And you touched on it. He can play tackle. He can play guard. During the time when he he opted out during the season, he he was training to to take snaps as a center. So that's five position versatility there. And I, I know the the Chargers are losing some guys in free agency, or, or perhaps will lose some guys in free agency, up and down the line. So this is a guy that can come in and play anywhere you want, and probably play immediately. Um, I like Panay Sewell. He's my number one D offensive tackle, but there are people that like Rashawn Slater and it's close yeah. for me. I, I mean, they're, they're both really good guys and both are top 15 talents in my mind and, and guys that can come in and help a football team. And look, Justin Herbert took some hits last year. So if that's something you're interested in reducing uh, at the cost of missing out on a Kyle Pitts, I, I would certainly understand that. And of course we haven't had free agency yet. So we'll see how that unfolds. The, the needs, some needs will be filled there, but Man, Rashawn Slater, it's not a sexy pick if you're a fan. Like, you don't get excited about an offensive lineman necessarily, but he has a chance to be really good and someone that I would imagine Justin Herbert would love to have in front of him. You know, I've asked a lot of people this. Ryan, in your opinion, the drop-off between a guy like Sewell and Slater and then you have Darisol and Elijah Vera Tucker and then, you know, maybe some second-round guys. Is there a huge gap when it comes to the offensive line class between – maybe the first and second guy and, you know, the, the sixth and seventh tackle in, in this draft. Yeah. When you get, when you get into six and seven there, there's a little drop up, but it's interesting. Like I mentioned, some guys like Rashawn Slater better. I've talked to teams that like Elijah Vera Tucker a lot, and he's another guy with the versatility. And I think in some of my mock drafts, I've had Vera Tucker going to the, char, uh, the chargers as well. Um, you know, he played guard at USC. Austin Jackson got drafted by the, uh, by the dolphins last yeah. year. So Vera Tucker kicks that they need help there. And not only is he playing well, he's, 
he's doing some really good things. And I know I've talked to scouts that they were blown away at how good he was. So I, I think he's in the mix. Darisaw is a great athlete. I, I've talked to some teams that are, that are worried about his focus from play one play to the next, but you know, great. That's why you have NFL coaching to, to make you, to coach that out of you. That's a concern that you may have as, as one of the teams. So there's, uh, you get those four there, there's Tevin Jenkins, the right tackle out of Oklahoma state who, who plays at, at a, he's a plays very angry. Uh, and you want a guy to play with an edge, but you get down to six and seven. Well, there's Sam Coz Coz me out of Texas. Uh, Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan's a right tackle, a guy who who's still growing. He doesn't, his anchor isn't always the best in terms of uh, going up against stout pass rushers. But again, he's, he's 21, 22 years old. That's not an issue, but I, I do think that you have a drop off from those top three or four guys, but that's always the, the case. You know, they're, they're, it's a, a matter of give and take and what you're willing to settle for and, and what you like about a guy and where you're drafting, of course. But yeah, you can find guys day uh, second round. You can find guys in the third round and, and the, the trade-off is of course, okay. How polished are they? Yeah. Is the athleticism there? But there are guys that can help you right away, definitely on day two. Chargers with nine picks, too. So it's interesting to see what, what position groups are deep that maybe you can wait a round or two. Um, cornerback, make the case for Patrick Sertan. And this is interesting to me. I'm, I'm following little breadcrumbs here, Ryan, because uh, <laughs> Charles Kelly was at FSU with Derwin James and Jalen Ramsey, right? Brandon Stanley was with Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey and Derwin are best friends. Uh, Kelly compared... Ramsey and Sertan in terms of, you know, being a lockdown corner, make the case for Patrick Sertan as an LA charger at 13. It's funny. You use the Jalen Ramsey comparison. Uh, I was talking to someone in the league uh, a few months ago about Sertan and Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley is my quarter, uh, my cornerback one CB one, but it's close. It's like, it's like inches, but yeah. um, uh, the scout I was talking to compared Caleb Farley to Jalen Ramsey. And I think the takeaway is both these players are big. They are physical. They are athletic. They are playmakers. Caleb Farley's a lot less experienced in the position. He's a, a converted wide receiver. And we know Patrick Sertan. I mean, he has the lineage. His dad was a really good player in the NFL for a long time. This is and, this is one of those picks where it makes me feel old when when I when I because oh. I think of Patrick Sertan in Miami, right? With the Sam Madison. <laughs> that yeah. makes me feel old. That's right. Yeah. No, I'm so old. I could be a lot of these guys' dads. <laughs> That's how old I am. But Pat, I mean, there's a lot to like about what Patrick Sertan does. Now, uh, he's not as athletic as Caleb Farley, but as I mentioned, he is much more nuanced and experienced in terms of playing the position. And that's just virtue of doing it uh, for so much longer. Could Caleb Farley end up being better? I, I think maybe he could. But again, you know what you're getting in Patrick Sertan. And the weird thing is, and it's funny, we talk about this all the time. Like we were talking about Jeffrey Kuda a year ago. We're talking about Isaiah Simmons. Both those guys struggled. Isaiah Simmons struggled early in his rookie season and he got better uh, sort of as he found his position. But Jeffrey Kuda st struggled for most of that season. He battled some injuries as well. There's yeah. coaching turnover and all that. But we just don't know. But you can go based on what you saw. Akuda was dominant at Ohio State and um, Sertan was dominant at Alabama. He was the best cornerback on the team this year, obviously, but last year too, and they hit Trevon Diggs, the uh, second round pick for, for the Cowboys and another big sort of physical strapping cornerback. But, but I think, you know, it's funny, you talk to teams and they have two, two views on, on the cornerbacks. Like, do you want, you don't want your cornerback to be too big in that he can't bend and get in and out of breaks, but he can also be five, eight and get pushed around by the Keaton Allens of the world. So you, you need to find that happy medium. And I think Sertan is a big guy, but I think he moves like a much smaller cornerback. All right, fourth one, 
We're going to wide receiver. Uh, Chris Trapasser came on last week and, and had Jalen Waddle to the Chargers. I want to ask you about Jalen Waddle. In terms of speed, and we, we talk about going toe-to-toe with the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, this is this is your Tyreek Hill, right? This is this is your speedster to go with uh, your jump ball guy, Mike Williams, your uh, pristine route runner and Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield, uh, a tight end like Hunter Henry potentially. Um, make the case for Jalen Waddell and what the offense would look like with Justin Herbert throwing the ball deep because I believe 11 of Jalen Waddell's 20 touchdowns were 50 yards or more. <laughs> I mean, just think about the sentence you just said out loud. I mean, it is bonkers. Again, there's so many guys that I love in this draft class. I, Jalen Waddle, in my mind, is going to be better than Henry Ruggs. He was better than Henry Ruggs at Alabama, and that's no disrespect to Henry Ruggs, who was the first wide receiver drafted last year. But he is much more versatile and nuanced in terms of uh, his approach to the game. You know, it felt like Henry Ruggs was a just run as fast as you can and we'll try to outthrow everyone. Um, and, and see if he gets you down there. And, and that was more of his game or catch a quick slant. Jalen Waddle seems um, is much better at doing a lot more things. He also returns kicks. That's how he got hurt. But on uh, that freak injury against Tennessee, but he, he is so explosive. And for an idea of how explosive he is, you know, you're watching the national championship game and he had just come, he had finally come back from that ankle injury. And, you know, he was limping through warmups and he was still the fastest player in the field by what felt like, uh, two or three tenths of a, of a, of a second. He was just so fast and he got out there and he'd run around and limp and then he would catch the ball and outrun everyone to the sideline. And not only is he tough and we saw that with him out there, but he is just so he's a game changer. And you mentioned sort of the Tyree kill thing. He's that type of talent that just scares defenses to death. And I think Trapasso had him as his number one wide receiver. He did. Uh, yeah, he's he's crazy like that. I'm not going to go that far, but uh, he's good, man. <laughs> Look, if he was the second wide receiver taken, I, I could totally understand it. And maybe there's, I mean, Henry Ruggs went first. And I, I you know, I like Jerry Judy better. Um, I like, uh, uh, what's his name? CeeDee Lamb better. But yeah. Henry, that's who the Raiders liked. And that's who they took. And maybe that happens with Waddle. But I think Waddle's a better player. And oh my God, him. And imagine him with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Eckler, as you mentioned, and, and possibly Hunter Henry. That's nasty. And by the way, that's actually nastier than what the Chiefs could potentially have next year because they're losing potentially Sammy Watkins. Um, they have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who, who had a, a pretty good seat rookie season, but that's a lot of firepower. Especially when, you know, I didn't mention Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson, and those were the deep threat guys for yeah. Herbert last year. As a matter of fact, I believe it was overtime where he hit Guyton to beat the Raiders, um, yeah. I think a couple of plays later. Uh, he had bombs to to Guyton and Tyron Johnson against Tampa Bay in week four, going toe to toe with Brady. So when you go one to five, I mean, if you really want to stack weapons, uh, the Chargers could put together a, a pretty potent combo or not combo, but really just one to five when you talk about wide receiver. And that's the thing. We're not in a, a, an NFL anymore where you only need two or three good wide receivers. I mean, look at the, the Buccaneers. They had a slew of good wide point. receivers and, and you can never have enough. So I know sometimes fans get angry on Twitter. If I, the wide receiver goes to a team that their team and they don't want one, man, listen, take them. You, you can never have enough. You need guys that can get open because defensive backs, as you know, are, are getting faster, more physical They're getting stronger, the nickel backs, the dime backs. So you need guys to be able to beat those guys. And the chiefs have, have almost perfected it. They didn't do it in the super bowl, but, but the Buccaneers certainly did a lot there. And I think, whew, Man, Jalen Waddle or Kyle Pitts, 
that's just one more huge weapon and not a, a fourth or fifth option. Those are like number one, number two guys to go along with all the number one and number two guys you already have. Man, it would make the AFC West just wild if, if that were to happen. All right, Ryan, I'm, I'm going to give you a wild card here. You pick a guy, make the case for, for another player that we didn't talk about to the Chargers at number 13 overall. Uh, we mentioned there is a lot of scenarios in which the, the Chargers may have a, a really blue chip player kind of fall in their lap at 13. Yeah, so it's funny. We haven't talked about any of the defensive guys. Oh, yeah, we talked about Kenneth Murray a little bit, but in terms of my mock drafts, I'm looking through some of the names I've had go there um, in recent weeks. And here's a guy I'll mention. Now, he, people probably, uh, you look at the sort of media mock drafts, he's going probably 20 or later. But I really like this guy, and, and I think we'll see what happens with Melvin Ingram. But Melvin's 31, I think, so he, he's up there. Like, a, like along with Von Miller. So we'll see what happens with them. But if if the um, Chargers are looking to bolster the edge, Jalen Phillips out of, and you guys are probably familiar with him from UCLA. Like he he went to the U, he trans, he started at, at UCLA, got injured, and he retired in 2018. Transferred to the U, came out of retirement, was healthy, and he just absolutely balled out this year. He's 6'5", 265, I think is what he's listed at. And he is every bit of that. So the the visual of him opposite Joey Bosa, uh, along with Kenneth Murray and, and Durbin James. Uh, that's a scary proposition because he is stout against the run. He is nasty as a pass rusher. And again, we, we talked about this. If your goal is to slow up Patrick Mahomes, there's a lot of ways you can do it. You can try to outscore him, and that's a, a dicey proposition. But you can also get after him, make it uncomfortable. And we saw what that looked like in the Super Bowl, and in large part because the Buccaneers had so much firepower in that defensive line. And I think you can never have enough, just like enough um, – sort of receivers and targets. You can never have enough pass rushers. So Jalen Phillips is a guy that I think that there'll be some questions about his medical. And if, if teams are okay with it, he could sneak into the top 15. And, and this is not an, a pass rush, an edge rush class uh, where we have a chase young, but there'll be yeah. a guy, a bunch of guys, four or five or six guys that go in a group anywhere from 13 to 32. And it'll be hard to figure out how they're going to turn out. We'll have to wait and see. Cause some, so many of these guys or early on in their career and sort of growing into these roles as young players. But Jalen Phillips is a guy that I like a lot and had a great season and made himself a lot of money uh, when he played uh, 2020 with the Hurricanes. I love that you mentioned that because I think to prior stops, Brandon Staley had with Khalil Mack in Chicago and then having Chubb and Miller in Denver, imagine a, a Phillips Bosa pass rushing combo with Uchenna Nwosu, coming in there as well um that could be something and I, I i love that you also said how can you beat patrick mahomes you, you could do it with the stout secondary you could do it getting after the quarterback you try to outscore them we've kind of listed out a bunch of different options to to better equip the chargers to beat the chiefs whether it's on offense or defense yeah and that's the thing it's sort of funny because you know you try to take the big picture like well you have to play 14 other games you do, but at the end of the day, you still got to go through Kansas City because if you're in the playoffs, there's a pretty good chance you're either going to Arrowhead or if you're lucky, they're, they're coming to see you, and that's going to determine how far you get. Tom Brady's no longer in, in the conference. You don't have to worry about that. Patrick Mahomes is. Now there's Josh Allen, there's Lamar Jackson and all that, but look, man, Justin Justin Herbert is every bit as good as those guys, and a year from now, he may be even clearly the the, the best of the bunch, but I think you got to beat Andy Reid. you got to beat Patrick Mahomes, and that's the same conversation that we had with, with Tom Brady for, for 20 years. I yeah. mean, you're not talking about beating the Steelers because at the end of the day, the Steelers couldn't beat the Patriots. So you can talk about, you know, the other, the bills, for example, but they're not beating the chiefs yet. And, and that's where we have to, that's where you have to get as an organization. And I think, 
how do you do it? You, you do it with speed, you do it with creating pressure and you do it with scoring points. And, um, God, the chargers are in, in good position. I know they were only won seven games, but you and I were talking, they certainly could have won two or three more than that. Uh, if the ball had bounced a certain way and they're an organization where, you know, as I mentioned, the arrow is pointing up They're They're going to be exciting. It's going to be fun to see, you know, you get two cracks at the chiefs and, and winning in your division is so important. They had lost nine straight up until the last three weeks of last year where they won three straight division games, four in a row to end the year. So you want to keep that momentum going. You have to win in the division to get into the playoffs. Uh, Ryan Wilson, man, I always love this conversation. This was a lot of fun making the case for five different dudes at five different positions that could all help the Chargers. Um, you mentioned you're doing a mock draft every single week. <laughs> Let fans know what you're doing on, on, on the podcast side, writing, everything you have going on leading up to the draft. Yeah, so uh, we do a podcast show uh, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on CBS Sports HQ. So uh, Roku, Apple TV, wherever you get your your online viewing, you can watch that there. I do the Pick 6 podcast with your your buddy and my buddy, Will Brentson. We do that three or four times a week. I can find that wherever you get your podcasts. And right, so once a week, the, the mock drafts come out. They've been doing that since September. And uh, breaking news, Chris, next week I've been informed I'm doing a three-round mock draft. So I'll, I'll be mixing oh. it up. So we're breaking out the three rounds. And uh, before it's all said and done, I'm sure it'll do a seven-rounder. So that is something to, to look forward to if that's your thing. A three-rounder next week, man. I can't wait. Ryan Wilson, always appreciate the time, brother. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Chris. All right, as we roll on here on Chargers Weekly, little Beat Writers Roundtable, Joe Reedy, Associated Press, Jeff Miller, LA Times, fresh haircut. It's been 10 months since a cut, Jeff. At 10 months is long, long overdue. Of all the uh, roster moves that had to be made this offseason, me cutting my hair was, <laughs> was number one on my uh, was on my uh, to-do list, believe me. It's strong, strong. <laughs> Guys, we, we're taping this right after Tom Telesco's presser. Uh, we would normally be in Indianapolis, and we would talk about free agency and, and the draft. And obviously – we heard from Tom when Brandon Saley was introduced as head coach. Not a lot has really happened or, or changed since then, but uh, just general takeaways, Joe, I'll start with you. I think the word of the day was adaptability. Um, just in the talks with coaches and college scouts and the GM and the personnel guys, because the coaches are the ones that have to discuss the type of players that they want the scouts to get for them. And, you know, it almost sounded like this off season or leading up to this season, maybe there was instructions from Tom or maybe the college scouts took it on their own that there might be transition coming into this off season. So maybe on the scouting, keep as wide a lens as possible just in case. Um, which it sounds like they did do that. But, you know, we're two weeks from the start of the league year and things are even more unsettled than what I can remember for a long time. We don't know the final salary cap numbers. Teams are in the process of tagging now, but you don't know what those tag numbers are going to be. And just a whole lot of unknowns until we get that final salary cap number. And I think a lot of that is contingent on the new league TV deals to maybe bump up the number this year to where 
you know, you've got maybe a few more teams that are comfortable instead of right, right being at that cap number and having to renegotiate deals. Jeff, I think it would be silly for any of us to know what's going to happen over the next five, six weeks with um, potential cuts happening over the next couple of weeks, uh, free agency, and then the draft, and and really having this kind of uncharted territory for all 32 NFL teams who won't have the combine as it normally looks, may not have a full body of work in terms of film, and then, as Joe alluded to, just having to navigate around this salary cap, uh, maybe having to cut key veterans that you wouldn't want to in any other year. No, absolutely. Uh, one thing I do want to say first, Chris, is I think it's so fitting the where we are right now in the timeline of the world that we're on a Zoom meeting and Joe has cutouts in the in, the, in his background of his Zoom. <laughs> Does that summarize where we are? Yeah. That's where we are. Hey, if we were if we were doing this a year ago and somebody was just watching this for the first time and saw Joe with two cutouts of his dogs and us on Zoom, I think they'd have a few questions. Oh, exactly. Uh, the one that you're 100 percent right. And the thing to me that is uh, of all that, uh, the thing that is, uh, you know, I think these guys will they'll figure out a lot of the evaluation and they'll they'll uh, a lot of that stuff's going to going to work out the, the issue the biggest issue is the salary cap and the fact that it's going down which is yeah. something that nobody you know you talk about a year ago nobody would have seen this coming um so that's that's really i think the thing that's going to be the the biggest obstacle to overcome here i, I think a lot of the stuff they're going to figure out the like i said the evaluation was with these pro days and and these guys you know they grind over this tape for hours and hours so i think they're the probably most teams are going to be able to figure out a lot of that um, and as we know, after the first round or two, the draft really becomes sort of a crapshoot anyway every year. Yeah. So uh, that to me probably isn't as big of a deal as my phone rings. Um, but uh, really, that salary cap is the one that I think is causing teams the most consternation. A lot of teams, the Chargers are in a good, a pretty good spot compared to some teams. Some teams are in a, a really bad spot. Teams like New Orleans. I mean, they. You know, we're, I think we're going to see a lot of players get cut over here over the next couple of weeks, and there's going to be a lot of surprise. I think there'll be a, some real surprises where teams are just going to have to cut guys they don't want to cut. So I think that's probably the biggest obstacle that, that teams are facing. Joe, one of the things that, that stood out to me, I think towards the end of Tom's press conference, is uh, talking about Staley and how in tune he is with the league. And I think about the unpredictability of the next couple of weeks. And, and Jeff mentioned team like the saints. There's a lot of teams that have cap issues right now, far worse than anything. The chargers are in Tom said they may not be big spenders, but they're in a pretty good space. But the fact that Staley is so in tune with what's going on on both sides of the football around the league, it may present, okay, we didn't expect this guy to get released he fits with what we want to do offensively or he fits with what we want to do defensively. And, and I get that sense just, you know, having from his 90 minute presser to, to what we've seen from, from Staley, how in tune he is with what the league is today. And that could be an advantage for the Chargers. I think the one thing too, Chris, that a lot of people around the league aren't talking about, but I think that is bigger this year, maybe compared to last year is if a guy gets cut, or even on free agency visits, teams are going to be allowed to bring them into the complex. So 
I think Dow will get some deals done quicker because you can do the medical. You can find out, okay, this guy was cut because of this and salary, but there was an underlying medical issue also, which I think which I think will will help further things. But I know the one thing Tom said too is he's switching from a four three to a three four. Don't get caught up in the numbers and the in the base on that because I think yeah it'll be a base three four but they might run that fifteen twenty percent of the time might be more of a five two at times might be a lot more nickel just I think the adaptability and it seemed like we heard that word ad nauseum during the forty forty five minutes is going to be the main thing, I think, on both sides of the ball. Jeff, Tom was pretty direct on where the team needs to improve in all three phases. He talked about being more efficient, running the football and in the red zone. Defensively, obviously getting takeaways and getting more pressure on the quarterback. And then special teams said field position must improve. A lot of things I think need to improve special teams-wise. Um, does that give you any any hints into what you think – this team may want to be pursuing here in the draft and free agency? Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit. I, I don't know that it's vastly different than maybe what it would have been. I mean, we all know, everyone knows their offensive line. Uh, anything on the offense has got to start with the line in terms of improvement. That There's no question about that. And this, you know, the short yardage and the red zone, that's been an issue for the last couple of seasons for this team. So that that was going to be an issue no matter what, what, ha- what was happening uh, coaching wise or scheme wise or any of that stuff. The one thing on defense is I would say is I think Brandon Staley's defense is going to be more of an aggressive uh, there. I think they're going to try to, they're tr- going to try to uh, manufacture more pressure just naturally. And they're going to, they're going to try to bring more pressure than what the, the chargers did under Gus Bradley. So I think just sort of organically, you would, you would think just in play calling and some of the stuff they're going to do that should that what they're doing should lend itself to to more of that and which in turn in theory should you know open up more possibilities for turnovers the flip side being they could be more susceptible to the big play and stuff that that Gus was trying to prevent so I, I think the you know that that scheme change and that sort of philosophy change a little bit even though uh, as Tom mentioned that uh, and Joe mentioned that you, you don't want to get too caught up in in three four versus four three. I think a lot of times it's, it's not going to look that much different. Just as you're watching the games on TV, if fans are sitting there in their living room, they may not even notice much of a difference unless they really break it down. But I, I think uh, the fact that they Staley's philosophy it's going to be di- it will look different what they're doing on defense in terms of of some of the, some of the chances they might take and some of the positions they might put guys like Derwin James, you know, I think we, I would be shocked if we didn't see Derwin uh, blitzing more than we have in the past. And obviously we haven't seen Derwin play a whole lot the last couple of seasons as it is, but I think when he, you know, during his rookie year, you saw a little bit of that. I, I think that's something just as an example, we'll probably see more of with this, with this new scheme and this new philosophy. I want to throw this up to both of you guys, because with the salary cap that, that Joe mentioned, the fact that the Chargers have nine picks, this could be a year where, again, the the film is going to be a little bit different for guys who opted out or you may not have that full sample size. So if you can hit on some of these 
draft picks and, and they can become contributors. I go back to like 2018 when Derwin played uh, all 16 games, uh, Chenna and, and Justin Jones came on late in the year. Um, guys were, were pretty productive from that draft class. Justin Jackson had, had a couple of big games. He was a seventh round pick. If you can get contributors from this draft class on rookie deals and you have nine selections, maybe a, a few of these guys slip through the cracks because the, the lack of film. And I think that's where uh, the scouting and the scouting department really comes into play this offseason, Joe. You also got draft capital with nine picks to – you can move up. You can move, yeah. Into maybe a second or third round and get an extra second round pick, depending on, you know, depending on what's out there. Um, you know, we talk about guys on rookie deals. You know, it's an advantage that you have a quarterback on a rookie deal. But also, this 2019 class. A lot of those guys are going into the third year of a four-year deal. That group, we need to see a lot more consistent production out of that group because that group right now, to put it kindly, is struggling a bit. Um, so, you know, see a march out of them. And then, you know, with the rookies, there were, you know, everybody is caught up on Justin, but, you know, Kenneth Murray had a good rookie season. Josh Kelly had a nice burst early on. K.J. Hill showed some stuff late in the year. You know, Joe Reed, as far as his returnability and stuff, didn't see it that much last year because of maybe some struggles at wide receiver and building the game day roster. It's really, you know, hopefully get a couple impact rookie starters this year but also, you know, the, the last two draft classes, there's got to be that more consistent grouping, too. And also going back to something that Jeff was talking about earlier with Derwin, I kind of see maybe Brandon going back to the tape of Derwin in his Florida State days, kind of playing that star position where he might line up at linebacker more than we've seen in the past. I mean, heck, there were there were times at Florida State where even Derwin was lining up on the defensive line outside a bit as a uh, rush end. So it'll be interesting with with Brandon to see what what happens with Derwin. Joe, you bring up a good point about the 2019 class. And Jeff, it's guys like Tillery, Adderley, and Trey Pipkin specifically. Those two guys on defense – Perhaps Staley can find a role that consistently fits with what they do best. And then a guy like Trey Pipkins, we talked about developing the offensive line. Trey Pipkins was drafted in 2019 to not play right away. So this is a pivotal, pivotal year for Trey Pipkins to see if he can be a part of that starting rotation. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we've, everyone knows, like I mentioned about the offensive line issues that this team has and Trey, I, I don't know what really happened with him last year. He, you know, there, there obviously was a new uh, offensive line coach in. Uh, maybe there was, he it didn't quite, you know, they, he, yeah, whatever, I don't know. It just, maybe they didn't quite mesh uh, there. Uh, who, who knows? I mean, he, he did play a decent amount, um, but he, it looked like he struggled, looked like he was really inconsistent. And by the end of the season, you know, he was not playing and Storm Norton was in there and they, they weren't even playing Trey. So, he definitely, you know, we say this a lot about with these rookie guys, but it, it definitely applies here again. A, a huge offseason for him. He 
they need him to step forward if he's going to, and and maybe new coaching staff, maybe fresh start, a little bit of that. Uh, it, 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 it certainly can't hurt him. I mean, but he, but he, you're right. He, it, it's time for him to to show whether he can develop into what they what they thought he might be uh, when they took him as a project, admittedly uh, in 2019. And it's you know the NFL time moves fast. You don't have there's not a lot of they don't have a lot of time, a lot of you know open roster spots to just kind of develop guys. It, it's it's an unforgiving league in that regard, and so they they need to figure out where this is. And I think you know where Trey is, and I I, I think probably they're hoping that given a, a new coaching staff that maybe he can he can find maybe a comfort zone and and he'll be able to take a, a pretty big step forward that he's going to need to take if he's going to have a future in this team on this team and in this league. I want to get you guys out of here on this. I've, I've been doing this every week, getting a draft analyst on just to talk about what the Chargers could possibly do. It's it's one of those exercises that changes every single week, and it's really just for fun because we have no idea what's going to happen. But at 13 overall, th- there are a number of ways they could go. I think everybody is thinking offensive line is priority A, B, and C. But if you have a deep class, and I was just having this conversation with uh, Ryan Wilson of CBS, if you have a, a deep tackle class and a guy like Jalen Waddle or Kyle Pitts is available at number 13 and you look around that division and you see all the weapons that Denver has and uh, what Vegas did in getting rugs and we obviously know Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and, and all the weapons the Chiefs have would it be crazy to say all right Chargers let's add Jalen Waddle to the mix. We'll, we'll see your Tyree kill and we'll raise you a Jalen Waddle, or we'll see your Travis Kelsey. We'll raise you a Kyle Pitts uh, for Justin Herbert. He's got Mike Williams. He's got Keenan Allen. He's got all these other guys that we talked about last year, Tyron Johnson, uh, uh, Jalen Guyton, Eckler out of the backfield, but would getting him another weapon in the first round be a crazy idea, Joe? No, not at all. I think it, if Kyle Pitts is there, you run, you run to, I don't know if the draft's still going to be in Cleveland or not, or whether we're going to be doing <laughs> virtual again. You you get that card in as soon as possible. I think it, it, with the receiving tight end, I think they would love to have Hunter Henry back, but you know, the, Kyle Pitts would be a heck of a um, upgrade. Um, Jalen Waddle, I do have some injury concerns. Um, just. And especially this team's history with injuries, is that is that a wise move? Do you? Get, I know Mike Williams is in the last year of his deal and stuff, but considering the overarching need at tackle, do you maybe go that way instead of player with a little bit of an injury history? And I think that's one of the things not having to combine an injury in Indy is the biggest factor that. Yeah. Teams can't do the medical, so it's how much can you rely on um, what the Bama doctors have. Um, do you you? I don't know if we're going to be doing draft visit or not. Do you use one of those thirty draft visits on a Jalen Waddle to get the due diligence on medical? How much do you send a guy to Alabama's pro day? And get all of that. But I think at 13, I know we're fixated on the offensive line and deservedly so, but there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways they can go. 
And if it's a deep class as far as offensive tackle, if they get an offer they can't refuse at 13, do they trade down? And Jeff, let me throw another position at you. Uh, Again, we just had this conversation. Patrick Sertan from Alabama, uh, a shutdown corner who was coached by Charles Kelly, the the associate DC and safeties coach at Alabama. Uh, He coached Ramsey and Derwin James at FSU. Compare Sertan to Ramsey. So if you pair a guy like Derwin with Patrick Sertan, and again, these conversations are all hypothetical with tackle and offensive weapon and corner. I I just think there's a lot of options. You can A, continue to boost your secondary, B, protect Justin Herbert in the first round, or C, go toe-for-toe with the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of offensive weapons. There's really no shortage of possibilities because uh, there's going to be a really good player there in one of those three positions or maybe even another position. Uh, Exactly. Like you you asked Joe, I I would agree. Right now, sitting here in the middle of March, it's approaching the middle of March, or I guess we're in the first week of March still. <laughs> it's, it's, these months are long, aren't they? I'm stand still, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so sitting here in the first week of March, let me rephrase that. It's it's really difficult to tell because for one thing, by the time we get to the draft, who knows? You know, they may have addressed their offensive line exactly early in the in free agency. For one thing, and we like we've been talking about, we don't know who still might be available in terms of free agency. Let alone the guys that we we think are going to be available. There may be some guys that that aren't that expensive who are pretty good players who become available, and you could they may build that way a little bit. And all of a sudden, now it, the idea of going to a different position is is not ridiculous at all. So there's still some time to sort that out, but you mentioned corner. Corner's a a need. I don't think there's any question about that with this team. They, they could use another cornerback. We, I think we all sort of assume that Michael Davis will get re-signed somehow and will be, will be on this team next year. And I think they, they're, Certainly the previous regime was high on Michael and uh, I guess I'm guessing these coaches have seen this watching the tape and they're familiar with him and would also be uh, be high on him. Uh, But they, you know, Casey Hayward had a tough season. We all know that he had some injuries and as players get older, that's not a position that again, it's, it's just not a position that's. It is really good for as an aging player. It's very difficult to play cornerback in the NFL as you age, and and when you've got anybody, when you've got any kind of player who they're comparing, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey to you, that's going to you know perk up your your ears. And I think certainly Sertan is everybody knows what kind of a career he's had so far in college, and it, it, any team in the NFL I think would take him right now, including the Chargers. So um, no, that right now it's there's just. There's so much unknown and so much uncertainty that all of these things are worth talking about because they're all viable options. None of this is is crazy or you know completely coming out of left field. It gives us great content, if nothing else, for the next six seven weeks. We we could talk about these guys and you know it, these mock drafts kind of provide a leaping off point just to learn more about each of these prospects. You know, there's this tackle class seems to be pretty deep, and we talk about these skill position players, DB. So. You know, we're going to be talking probably in the next three or four weeks and having a completely different conversation about something that we didn't even mention in this roundtable. I look forward to it. Joe Reedy, Associated Press, Jeff Miller, LA Times. Gentlemen, always appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Jeff Miller, Joe Reedy, and Ryan Wilson for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Havery.